Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with me, Chris Bright. Every week, I'll be speaking with a church leader about ministry strategy and getting to grips with not just what they do, but the thinking behind why they do it. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, my interview guest today is Dale Sellers. Dale is the executive director of the 95 Network and has a calling to help weary and worn pastors and church leaders. Uh, Dale has been in ministry for almost 40 years. He launched Dale Sellers Leadership Inc. in 2014 uh, to assist organizations in the areas of leadership, inspiration, and evangelism. Dale became a ministry consultant for the Unstuck Group in 2017 with a focus on helping the small church. And in July 2018, he accepted the position of executive director of the 95 Network. And in September of 2020, he published his first book, Stalled, Hope and Help for Pastors Who Thought They'd Be There by Now. His years of ministry have uh, grown a deep love for the small and medium-sized congregation which are the backbone of the American church and of the church in the UK as well. The 95 Network equips small churches to thrive and connects weary church leaders with friends and partners who care. Dale, it is so great to have you back on the podcast again. Wow, what an introduction, man. I, I, I feel like a college professor or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to me, you are. So uh, maybe it is, maybe it's like speaking at a you know a graduation. Oh, this is good. I'm like, who is that guy you read about? <laughs> uh, it's it's fantastic to have you on and, and to be able to talk about small churches with you. So let, let's dive straight into it. Uh, in the in the UK at the moment, lockdown restrictions have now been fully taken away. Oh, COVID isn't gone, but the restrictions have been taken away, mm-hmm. which means that uh, churches are, are kind of getting used to a, a kind of post-COVID world. And with that comes a renewed need, renewed need for vision and all those kind of things. Why do you think vision is so necessary for this next period? How much time you got? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the Bible simply says without vision, people perish. Uh, or in one translation, it says cast off restraint. In other words, um, what one of the things we learned about vision uh, that uh, insight, I believe the Lord gave us was that, you know, uh, if there's not clarity in the vision of the church, if you have if you have more than one vision, you'll have division. And, and in so many cases, pastors think that when someone um is trying to get something done that maybe they didn't think should be done. They feel like that that person is being divisive or being uh, rebellious or whatever. And, and that could be the case. I'm not saying it's not. But one thing I have discovered with working with small church pastors is there's often not a vision. And, and so people people want to they want their church to work. You know, one of the things we're work, we're dealing with at 95 Network, about 50% of the churches that we meet and that we work with annually just don't want to die. And if a church doesn't want to die, then sometimes if the pastor is not clearly communicating the mission and vision of the church, there are well-meaning people who will try to push it. You know, even even you know, if you think about when Jesus was on the earth, uh, one of the things that motivated Judas to sell Jesus out was that he wanted uh, Jesus to become an earthly king, and he didn't understand that that wasn't his calling. So I think uh, when we don't provide clarity in our mission and we don't provide clarity in our vision, sometimes people will just, they'll rise up out of that void and want to get something going. And then it, and it creates conflict. And so if we don't provide clarity uh, in mission and vision, people cast off restraint. And so now that the pandemic 
it's not over. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I think in some circles, it's never going to be over. But what we discovered in the United States churches is that uh, um, about 30% of our key people, 30% of our main uh, supporters just aren't coming back. And there's, and we may talk about that. We may not talk about it. There are reasons why people aren't coming back. So, so you had churches that were shut down when they finally got to where they could meet again, uh, they go meeting again. And then the pastors are really discouraged because once they started meeting again, they discovered that some of their key people aren't coming back. So now the pastor is already exhausted, has picked up uh, the mantle of what these other people were doing and they're just wearing themselves out. And so, uh, you tend to when you get lot when you get bogged down in carrying out stuff, you you don't understand the value of you being the vision caster. That makes sense. Yeah, that completely makes sense. I'd, I'd love to actually dive into that uh, idea of why you think people aren't coming back to church as quickly as we would like, or not coming back at all in in, in many cases. What what are oh, your thoughts? What are your thoughts simple. on that one? Real simple. Okay, so remember when the pandemic started and everybody had to shift to online. Okay there was these arguments that would break out. Let's say a church had 50 people attending, but when they shifted to online, and again, it's, it's, it's the front front of the pandemic. All of a sudden you have these pastors who pastor 50, 80, 40 people. Uh, and they go, we've got 400 people coming every week. Our church is as big as it's ever been. And, and, and then this argument breaks out. Those people aren't, you can't count those people. They're just watching online. So this new word came out and it's not new, but it, it was new to the church called engagement. And so what you had to measure is, okay, well, just because they're watching online, are they staying engaged? And what that means is, okay, if your service is 40 minutes, are they watching a 40 minute service? Or are they watching for two minutes? In the U.S., I think the average when when we first started doing the online stuff, I think the average was somewhere around 13 minutes that people stayed engaged, and very quickly it dropped to one or two minutes. So what happened is 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 the argument is it doesn't matter how many people clicked on, checked out the service, how many people watched it to the end or stayed involved or engaged. What this helped us to understand was, is that we had people in our churches who were faithfully attending, serving week after week after week, but they weren't engaged anyway. They're just going through the motions and having a year off, if you will. And they discovered, hey, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not checking in with what's happening in the church, I can just click off and go check out somebody else or not check out anything. Uh, People in our in the U.S., I, you know, I, I'm not sure how to do in the U.K., but in the U.K., uh, in the U.S., if someone's in a service and they're bored out of their mind, they don't get up and walk out because it's considered rude. That's changed. And so what's happened is it's because the church wasn't engaging the people to start with. They're just not coming back. And, and I think Gavin Adams is the guy that wrote an article that said basically what people discovered was I haven't been to church in a year and a half and my life hasn't changed. Now, we know that it has because you need fellowship. But what people are saying is the church wasn't helping our family anyway. And so why would I bother going back? People are enjoying, hey, people are enjoying Sabbath now. <laughs> people are enjoying having a day off because we, in the church world, we have made it made church so much about people coming and watching us do what we do. That's not engaging to people. And that, I believe, is the biggest factor as to a lot of the frustration and a lot of the reasons why people are not coming back. Yeah, I think that's I was absolutely fascinating. And I riff on that for a bit, Chris. Yeah, I, I know, and I I think that I I, I think we we see that with the the church. You know, we we created a kind of a, a 
a consumer centric church it, you service. Know, you, and you, you had uh, you had the seeker movement, and that, that wasn't bad, and the attractional movement, and that wasn't bad. I mean, we're trying to reach people, but it became more about the show, if you will, the the attracting part of it all. See our light show, see our hazer, which is some churches call smoker. Uh, see see the, our band. Come see our pastor. He he's hip and cool. He's got a fancy haircut. He wears the right clothes. And, and, and I've, I've, this is the statement I've said a lot lately. If people spend more time talking about you, the pastor's communication or look, the band or its look, the room or its look, than they do about Jesus, you're probably not engaging them. Yeah, because they can get, they can get all that stuff from any other show, any other, you know, just turn on the TV. And, you know, that's, that's not engaging for people because that's just, that's just your day-to-day, you know, great lighting, a great band. That's just kind of expected, isn't it? No one, that's not engaging anymore. It's got to be 80s, something. Chris, I, I was on, a, on the road uh, with a Christian music group. In the 80s, we had these huge concerts all, of, all over the United States and probably, I, I know you did in the UK too. These Christian bands would come and pack out stadiums and stuff because churches didn't have lights and sound and all that stuff. Well, the church that I attend right now, they have as good a light set up and as good a band as any band that's going to come through town, you know, and, and again, that's, that's relative. So, you know, the attraction to go uh, see that out somewhere else is not there anymore because you can see it every week, but uh, there's a shift that happened and, and it's, and it's well-meaning people that did this. It just became about, okay, you guys need to come hear the message I've worked on. I've worked really hard on this message and y'all need to come hear it so you can validate my message. That's not going to work anymore. There's got to be more to church than just coming and watching the Sunday morning service. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, and I think vision is going to be a, a key thing to, to that. I mean, to have something that's compelling, that you're part of something, that you're you're part of, of something going forward. I, what I often find is that, that small churches in particular can struggle to know how to come up with a, a vision. They, they, they struggle to know what to do. And they kind of get stuck worrying whether it's something they just would like to do. If it's like they kind of, I get here, I hear a lot of that. Or is it like man's plans, or is it God's plans? What you know? How how do I work that out? Um, so how can we? Um, how can they know that the vision that's kind of on their heart isn't just their own ideas, but that it's the the right vision for the church? It's God's vision for their church. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I just uh, released a, a set of teachings with our 95 network. Uh, the, if you go on, on and it's online too. So people in the UK can get it as well, but it's called small church strategies. And one of the small church strategies that I did was called vision. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And, and it was, and I based it off of, a, I had a, a pastor friend who reached out to me last year who was teaching a seminary course. And he said, I want you to, I want you to answer two questions for me. He says, uh, I teach in these young pastors. I want you to answer, answer these two questions. The first question was, how can a young person get a vision from God? And I thought, you know what? That's, that's good for all of us. And so I wanted to literally read you the, the three things um, that I, I believe are important to know if your vision is a vision from God. Number one, you got, and this is all about defining, you got to find out what the problem is. So, so look in your community, look around you and where you live, whether it's in the country or in the city, what's, what are the, what's a problem that's affecting people that nobody's addressing. And I don't mean a Christian problem. I mean, a real, what's going on in society. 
And so here's three things you want to ask yourself about the problem. Number one, does the problem affect a lot of people? If there's a problem in your community that's having an effect in a negative way on a lot of people, and God's putting in your heart a way to fix that problem, that problem is probably a vision from God. Number two, is it impossible to solve the problem on your own talents and abilities? So, Chris, if I recognize there's a problem in the community, but I can solve it, that is not a vision from God because I don't need God's help. Uh, and then the, which leads to the third thing, does a solution to the problem require a team to solve it? If you have a vision from God, the vision from God is going to address an issue that nobody's dealing with. The government's not dealing with it. The church is not dealing with it. It's going to be something that, that God shows you, but you can't solve on your own. And it's going to require a team to, to do it. And so if you're wondering if the vision that you have right now, is that vision from God or not? Answer those three questions. You know, if you can do it yourself, it's not, it's not about God. It's about you. Uh, if you don't need to pull people around you and release people around you, because Chris, I mean, come on, think about it. The reason, can you tell I'm fired up? The reason <laughs> that people uh, today, that the church in, in, in America, and I, I don't know the statistics in the UK, or, but, I, but in America, we have, and this is before the pandemic, so this has changed a little bit, 300,000 churches. Of those 300,000 churches, 95% have less than 500 people attending. 87% have less than 200 people attending and 75% of all churches in the United States have less than 100 people attending. Well, I look at that and I go, okay, this is very simple to me. The reason that the majority of our churches are small and mid-sized in the United States is because we don't do Ephesians four. I tell everybody, Hey, there's this book called the Bible. There's a leader in it named Jesus who started something called the church. And in Ephesians four through his friend, Paul, he told us exactly what to do. And here's what he said. Uh, I'm going to give ministry gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And their job is to equip the saints to do ministry. Well, if you pastor a church and you're not equipping saints to do ministry, then you're not doing it the way Jesus told you to do it. And we typically do this for one of two reasons. One is that we have to define our life by our ministry. So we don't release people. We don't raise up leaders. We don't hand things off because we have to do it all ourselves so that we feel good about ourselves. Our number two, we, we have a congregational government that feels like we're a hireling. If either one of those things takes place, it keeps you from being an equipper. So if you get a vision from God, it might be uh, seeing a real issue. Uh, it might be that you understand you can't do it by yourself. But if you can't raise up a team to do it, you won't accomplish it. I think that's that's so. <laughs> there's so much to get, and I know I was typing those three things down as you were writing them. You know, does does the problem affect a lot of people? Is it impossible to solve? Is it possible to solve it with your talents and abilities? So if not, so it needs to be impossible to solve with your talents and abilities. And does it require a team to solve? Those three things are so crucial because it just gets you out of thinking. Okay, am I empire building? Am I just doing what I think is a nice thing? Am I, am I just trying to help my own congregation mm -hmm. and not reach new people? If you answer those three questions, and I'll put them in the show notes because they're just so good that, uh, that I think for any church, I mean, that's for any church of any size, but especially for, for small churches as well. I think that's a, like, that's a, that's their three vital questions to ask. And I'm probably going to be asking them of every single church. So, I help so let's go, before you move on to your next question, let me dive in a little deeper to the person, the leader himself or herself, the person that's leading right now, <clears throat> if you recognize, okay, I've got a problem with this, 
I want you to understand that before God releases vision through you, there's some things in your life that have got to be subtract, subtracted. Then there's some things in your life that have got to be added. Every great leader there's ever been, there's a subtraction and then an addition. So let me give you, I got three things here that have got to be subtracted out of your life before you can see that vision. Number one is you've got to subtract your scenarios. I used to tell God, I'd pray about something. I'd say, God, now here's five different ways uh, you can solve this problem. <laughs> he never did anything I said. <laughs> he wouldn't do it the way that I scenarioed for him. And, and, and you, if you have scenarios and you, you, in your mind, you block God in, you box him in, you're not going to see vision happen. Number two, you've got to subtract volatile relationships. And what I mean is this. I had a toxic board member in my church that I would not deal with. And if you've heard my story, you know, in the eighth year of pastoring our church, we had a horrible split. It was because of that relationship. And you've got to, you cannot keep ignoring volatile relationships. You got to deal with them. And then the third thing, and this is huge. If you have character shortcuts in your life, you got to deal with them. If there are things that God's been dealing with you about and you won't let him work that through. You're never going to see a vision from God if you have character shortcuts. Again, I could expound on all these, but I don't want to because of the time. Now, here's the things that need to be added. <clears throat> Excuse me so much. Here are the things that need to be added. You'll love this one, Chris. Are you ready? You need to add mundane wins to your life. Yes. Yes. Mundane wins means you do the right thing because it's the right thing every week because you're supposed to do it because that's how you get buy-in with people. If you're a young leader and you're in an older congregation and they won't follow you, it may be because you're not willing to do the stuff that nobody's going to notice. It may be because you're not willing to, you know, do the behind the scenes things that's part of your job. You got to do the mundane wins. Um, I could talk about that forever. Number two, you got to add consistent communication. One of the big problems that we do when it comes to mission and vision is we, especially in the small church setting, we may have a campaign. We may go and talk about what we're going to do for a month, and then we don't talk about it ever again. And I have a great example of that. I used to preach a vision series every year in my church. I would take the entire month of January. I would teach messages around the vision for that new year, and I would cry. I would illustrate it. We would come up with all kinds of cool things to do, and I would wear myself out in January communicating that vision, and then I realized in March, everybody forgot it. <laughs> it's better to communicate your vision and every message you preach, whether it's just a one line or a reminder or a paragraph, no matter, even if you're preaching through the Bible, you can do this where you remind people, this is why we do what we do. It's better to communicate it weekly on a, in a small way than do it a big blow up thing once because people just forget it. Andy Stanley said this years ago, vision leaks. And with that, it's like a tire with a, with a slow leak. If you've communicated the vision and you've pumped everybody up, if you don't keep communicating it and there's a puncture in that thing, eventually it leaks down. And then the third thing you've got to add to your uh, vision is flexibility. I had a hard time with this because, and pastors who are leaders naturally have a hard time with this. You think that you know exactly how it's all supposed to work out. Well, you don't. And, and get over yourself. You know, the important thing is that it gets done, even if they don't do it exactly how you would do it. Okay, Chris, I, I'm going to calm down now and let you, uh, <laughs> let you uh, uh, dance on that a little bit if you want to. <laughs> no, that's, that's pretty. I mean, pick it. 
Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. This is only halfway through the podcast and you can listen to the full conversation by joining our members podcast. Just go to our website, www.thinking.church and you can sign up to our members podcast there. It only costs the price of one coffee per month. So it's well worth doing. So why not get a coffee, listen to the podcast and learn something new. We'll see you again for this podcast next week. So bye for now.